This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Amen. Turn with me in your Bibles, Second Chronicles, chapter 15. Mark it, if you will. We'll make a trip there or two. We're talking about the assurance of God's presence. And as a believer, I believe every believer should desire the presence of God. It should be a desire of ours. But when we started this, we started talking about peace and how peace really is when I'm with God, when God is with me. Therein is peace. And I, I want to bring that home to you on this evening. Because when I'm with God, God is with me, I am in His presence. And we've said it over and over again, but God's presence is better. God's presence is better than the ridicule of being a holy roller. God's presence is better than peer pressure. God's presence is better than a higher paying job. God's presence is better than having somebody that we say we love. <laughs> God's presence is better. Uh, keep your ribbon in Second Chronicles chapter 15. And let's look at Psalms 23. That's what I want to see. Psalms 23. Psalms 23. Now, when we talked about this, again, I want to show you God's presence is just better. We found out that, you know, we want the assurance of God's presence. And how do we assure ourselves of the presence of God? We assure ourselves of God's presence, us with him and he with us, when we respond properly. And our response has to be a repentant faithful, obedient life in which we remain, which we abide in, which we persevere through. Now, in Psalms 23, I just want to show you this about God's presence. This is when you have the assurance of His presence. Then you can say, this won't be just words on paper. This won't just be words out uh, of your mouth. This will be your reality. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Glory to your name. Do you hear that? See, this is what you say when you have the assurance of God's presence when you don't have what you want. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to your name. Remember, we started this by talking about when Jesus, Jesus said, He told us, He left this for us in the Scriptures, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, giveth I unto you, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid, which means that there will be opportunities for your heart to be troubled, your heart to be afraid, but you don't have to worry. You don't have to fret. You can have peace when you don't have what you want. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. You see, though it may not look favorable for me right now, He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leadeth me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. 
And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You know the valley of the shadow of death. Things don't always go your way. But even though I walk through this place where things aren't going my way, I will fear no evil. Why? Because thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Do you hear that? See, I'm in a good place because I'm with you. And if I'm with you, I know you're with me. And even though I may not have what I want, I won't fear, I won't be afraid. You make me to lie down in green pastures. You lead me beside still waters. You restore my soul. Mm. He prepares a table for you in the presence of your enemies. That's when you have See, that's why we say that's peace. When you're with God and God is with you, we want to have the assurance of that. Because life won't always go right. Things won't always go your way. Disappointments are bound to come. Trouble will happen. There will be tribulation in this world. All who will live godly will suffer persecution. But that doesn't mean I have to be without peace. But the way I assure myself of that is I stay with God. Look at this in Exodus 23. Exodus 23. This makes you understand how blessed we really are. Exodus 23. When the world is panicking, we can be still. We can say, I'm standing still because I will see the salvation of the Lord. That's when you have the assurance of his presence. I won't be shaken. I won't be moved. I can stay settled. Exodus 23. Give me a second. Exodus 23 and... I turned to the wrong scripture. Excuse me just a second. Thirty-three. That's why. It's too early. Exodus thirty-three. Excuse me for that. That's what, that's what happens when you go off of memory. Exodus thirty-three. This is a powerful statement that Moses makes here. This is after, I know we, I don't know if we read this scripture in particular, we read a part of this when we said that Moses made up in his mind that God, if you're not going with me, I'm not going. But he makes this statement. Uh, verse 15, we'll start there. And he said unto him, Moses said unto God, if your presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. There's no, no sense in going if you're not going to be there. Verse 16, for wherein Shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? Is it not in that thou goest with us? So shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. Does that scripture minister to you? It ministers to me. Especially if you've been staying with this teaching for a little bit of time. You know how we got close to him? He brought us close to himself. This is grace. And Moses says, now how are we going to have or be in your grace if your presence is not with us? And it's by your grace and your presence that we're separated from everybody else. We're different from the rest of this world. 
and we are distinguished from the rest of this world because you are with us. Now, here's the issue, though. See, once we have received grace, this is what I've been trying to get to you. Once we have received grace, we must respond to grace and keep responding. So many times we can start out so good and then start smelling ourselves, feeling good about our present outside conditions, that we leave where we found His grace, where we received His grace, where He poured upon us His grace. And this brings us to Second Chronicles, chapter 15. Did you mark it? Verse 1. And the Spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Oded, and he went out to meet Asa and said unto him, Hear ye me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you. See, this is us, once we've received His grace. The Lord is with us. But we must understand, the Lord is with us while we are with Him. And if you seek Him, He will be found of you. But if you forsake Him, He will forsake you. This is why we say this. To have the assurance of His presence, I must continue. And in that continuing, I will be a repentant, I will have a repentant attitude, I'll be faithful, I will be obedient, and that will be my lifestyle. Amen. Glory to your name. I didn't get saved for a moment. I got redeemed for eternity. Amen. And so we've got to continue in that. So we said, if we're going to have the assurance of His presence, we've got to have the proper response. And then we found out that we have to make provision for God. And how do we make provision for God? Now, when we say make provision for God, this is not us doing something for God, because God doesn't need anything from you. <laughs> Amen. You know, he's not on the side of the street trying to hitchhike a ride. Let me stop for God, because he, need he needs my help. No, no. He wants to do something for you. You want God in your life. You want his presence. And so we're going to make provision for God. And how do we make provision for God? We obey. What do we obey? We obey what we have been taught by those God has set in our life as our godly teachers. You hear me? It's not that, it's not that complicated. It's, it's really simple. I will obey those God has put in my path to teach me and to guide me. Which means I can't just be a churchgoer, a church hearer, and not a doer. There can't be... We have this good. I'm telling you, we have an expectation of God. This is why I tell you, we're talking about having the assurance of His presence and not the expectation that we have of God. Because we have an expectation because we go to church and because we heard a thing, that God's going to make it all right when we have not taken from what we heard and applied it to our life. Got it all over us and we'll go out and we tell everybody, what a good word, what an exciting word. Yeah, but how are you living? How do we make provision for God? We obey what we've been taught. How do we make provision for God? We don't make provision for the flesh. And we are real good at making provision for the flesh. We make sure that what we want, what makes us comfortable, what makes us secure, that we apply ourselves to those things. Hmm. But I'm telling you, that's not putting God where He needs to be. 
And as much as we do these things, I'm telling you, I am telling you, I hope you understand this, some things are going to work out for you. Some things are going to look like they go in your favor. Sometimes you're going to end up with more money. Sometimes you're going to end up with that person you've been working so hard to connive and get to and trick them and, you know, run your mojo on them. You're going to get them sometimes. Sometimes it's going to work out that way. But that doesn't mean that God is with you. It doesn't mean that you're with God. The assurance of His presence comes with obedience. Nothing short of that. And again, I believe that's a blessing. I really do believe that's a blessing. It's, it's not in how well known you are. It's not in how much scripture you know. <laughs> it's in your obedience. Hey man, it's not where you were born. It's not the family you come from. It's just obedience. Oh, he made this so, so good. He really did. So we're going to obey. That's how we make provision for God. We're not going to make provision for the flesh. And then, here's what we need to do. We need to put God first. And when I say put God first, this is in contrast to making provision for the flesh. Because we read the scripture in Psalms chapter 10, where the wicked, God's not in their thoughts. And when we make plans and God is not in our thoughts, we act like the wicked. We behave like the wicked. And then we expect, that's our expectation, that God is going to bless us. God's going to bless my endeavor. God's going to bless my plan. But we don't have the assurance of his presence because in all of our planning, he wasn't in our mind. Do you hear me? God must be first. He must be in our thoughts. So how do I make provision? I obey what I've been taught. You know, this, this does not, I know we, we've emphasized this and you do need to understand, God has gifted us with spiritual gifts. God has gifted us with a pastor who's ordained to feed us with knowledge and with understanding. But God, I'm telling you, many of you have parents that God has ordained for you who know the Lord, who walk in His ways, who love the Lord, who give you godly counsel. You're supposed to stick with them. And sometimes, maybe my mother, my father isn't, but God puts somebody else in your life. Whether it be a grandmother, whether it be an aunt, or whether it be an uncle, these are there on purpose. And I want to, man, I, I, I can't get off of this, but I, I feel, you know, it, it's disappointing to know that there are false churches out there. They're fakes. They're phonies. They're those where the Holy Spirit does not abide. And I don't know about other places. I'll know about this place. And I thank God that I'm, I'm in a good place. And again, I would be a fool to leave a good place to go to the unknown. And so when all this that we're talking about, when we're talking about these things, we're talking about sound teaching. We're talking about sound teachers. We're talking about those who point us to Christ. Those who point us in the direction that we're supposed to be going in. But when I say God must be in our thoughts, I mean when I must make decisions on how I must order my life, God is my foremost consideration. What's the term? I'm not going to block God. 
Amen. That's what we do with some of our plans. When he's not in our thoughts, we block God. And we block God operating in our life, and we block God from operating through us in somebody else's life. And that's not right. We saw the great command last week. We said we can't love the Lord with some. We must love the Lord with all. He must be first. When I talk about ordering my life, God must be first. And again, if he's not, we're really hurting ourselves. Now, you're in Second Chronicles chapter 15. Turn over to verse 16, or chapter 16. So I want to remind you, Asa heard that which really inspired him from God because he was, he was on it. Asa was on it. This king was doing the Lord's work. And again, God is always there for those who are supposed to be doing this work, saying, I'm with you. Amen. I'm with you. Hallelujah to your name. I'm, I don't know about you, but those are the words that I want to hear. Because sometimes you have an opportunity to get tired. And sometimes you're wondering if you're doing the right thing. But when you hear God say, I'm with you. That's all I need. <laughs> I find the energy that I thought I lost. My fuel tank gets gassed up. I'm on full now when I was close to empty. So there's no doubt he was inspired by that. But somewhere along the line, see, just like when we were first born again, oh, we were excited. We were on top of it. Nobody could tell us anything. God is the one. God is real. Can't tell me nothing short of that. But over time, and this is not everybody. Trust me, this is not everybody. Uh, but over time, some people forgot where they came from. Mm, 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 mm. Yes, we do. We do. That's right, God. Uh, this is when we start, we forget where we come from, and then we start condemning people. We fall short of forgiving people. We keep and hold grudges See, we've forgotten. The same ministry we're in, our eyes were enlightened. Now we get tired of them asking us for anything. Second Chronicles chapter 16. We're not going to read all this. Let's just jump to verse 7. We know that Asa was in trouble at this time. and Instead of going to God like he did in his early days. He went the natural route. And he went the natural route, and the people that were giving him trouble, well, they weren't giving him trouble anymore, but he'd given the enemy an out by his plan. And God said, you know, we need to correct something with you, Asa. So in verse 7, he says, And at that time, Hananiah the seer came to Asa, king of Judah, and said unto him, Because thou hast relied on the king of Syria, and not relied on the Lord thy God, Therefore is the host of the king of Syria escaped out of thine hand. Now that's a message in itself. The very self-same people he called on were going to be his trouble. Hmm. Verse 8. Were not the Ethiopians and the Lubims a huge host with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet because thou didst rely on the Lord, he delivered them into thine hand. Because you were with me, I was with you. And I brought you the victory. 
Verse 9, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Let me tell you this right now. Uh, we've been hearing it on Sunday mornings, but God is not your problem. He's not the source of your problem. He's really not. It's because he's saying, I'm there ready. But if you're not getting my help, it's not because I'm not there. It's not because I'm not available. You must be out of position. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Herein thou hast done like a fool. Therefore from henceforth thou shalt have wars. And again, don't blame me. You remembered me at the beginning, but over time, somewhere along the lines, wow, here's what happens. You see, because it's impossible to stay on the bottom when God is with you. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. Do you hear me? Do you understand me on that one? You know, when we're tore up from the floor up, and then God loves on us, there's nothing better. But then after a while, you know, we, we start to get new shoes. You know, we get new outfits. You know, then we get the, the makeovers, we get the pedicures and the manicures, and we start smelling ourselves. And we think it's us, and we forgot it was God all along. And then our plans start to go sour. Because again, I, I, you know, I, I sound like a broken record, but don't mistake having goods for being good. You must have it in your mind. You've got to be like Job. The Lord giveth, the Lord can take it away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Verse number 9 again. So Hanani is just on a mission from God, telling Asa his mistake, his error, his foolishness. Again, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Herein thou hast done foolishly. Therefore from henceforth thou shalt have wars. Then Asa was wroth with the seer and put the seer in a prison house. For he was in a rage with him because of this thing and Asa oppressed some of the people at the same time. Here it is. He started out good with God. Then he got away from God, and then somebody had the nerve to come and say in the church, you got away from God. Now that ain't a preacher. (laughs) Now that's a false prophet. Now that church ain't right. But you know, he didn't have any problem when God was delivering him from the Ethiopians. He wasn't questioning the seer at that time. He wasn't questioning the prophets at that time. He knew God was real. Now, we're among the same people in the same church house. And wherein we were so blessed, now we question the things that are coming to us. Maybe God knew what he was doing when he put us where he put us, and we just got out of position. And you know what Asa's response should have been? Did you catch that? What his response should have been? How do we assure ourselves of his presence? There must be a proper response. What's the, fir- what's the first word of that response? Repent. That's what Asa should have done. He should have been slow to speak, quick to hear, and just plain repent. Simple as that. Because God said, 
I'm with you as long as you're with me. And then he says after that, if you seek me, I will be found of you. I'm telling you, our God is a good God. Many of us, we, I'm through with you. You should stay with me. But God said, no, if you turn and seek me, I'll be found of you. I'm telling you, if I was out of the way, that's all I would need to hear. I'd get right back in the way and say, God, I repent. I confess before you. It wasn't you. It wasn't the preacher. It was me. But somewhere along the lines, people actually forget where their blessings come from. (laughs) They really do. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 8. Then we'll be about where we were when we left off. Deuteronomy chapter 8. read this before, but let's read verse 10 and 11. When thou hast eaten and art full, then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he hath given thee. Amen. Glory to your name. Just, just let us sink in. He says, because when you're with me and I'm with you, you're going to eat and you're going to be full. See, because he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. See, life is going to get sweeter. No, you, when I start out with God and God is with me, life is going to get sweeter. And so he says, now, now, now you're with me right now and I'm with you. So when you have eaten and are full, because that time is coming, then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he hath given thee. Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God and not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes which I command thee this day. Glory to your name. I'm, I'm sorry, but this just ministers to me. This does. It's, it's, so once you start having things, once things start going your way, don't use that as an excuse to get away from me. Amen. I'm, I'm telling you, this, this is just modern day. We come in broken. He heals us. And we're mended. And once we get mended, we start looking good to others. And we start running with others and we leave the God that mended us all together. But God knows us. Verse 18, but thou shalt remember the Lord thy God. For it is he that giveth thee power to get well. That he may establish his covenant which he swear unto thy fathers as it is this day. And it shall be, if thou do it all, forget the Lord thy God. And walk after other gods and serve them and worship them. I testify against you this day that you should surely perish. And again, don't blame me. (laughs) Don't blame God. Don't blame the preacher. God lets you know up front. Because here's the thing. God knows the attitude and the temptation of mankind. God knows that after man gets, man tends to forget. So so he says that over and over again. Hey, hey, I'm there to bless you. I'm there to do good for you. I'm there to do good by you. But after you are feeling good, don't forget who put you where you are. So we need to put God first. So when we last left off, 
I told you, you put God first when you organize your life to put God first. You put God first when you organize your life to put God first. And how do we learn? Where do we learn how to organize our life? You learn it in the church. So I told you, we will tell you how to live. That's what the church does. And don't get it twisted, okay? We're not telling you every little thing to do. Here's what we tell you. We tell you how to live right. That's the bottom line. Put it simply. How to live right. There are things that you do that have nothing to do with living right. It's just what you do. What, what kind of color do you like? Who cares? Like your color. But live right. You, you know, people think that the church is against people getting married. We love marriages. We love your church. Get married. But marry right. That's all, we, that's all, that's all, that's all that we do. <laughs> Don't marry wrong. <laughs> you know, that sounds kind of funny when you think, I want to marry wrong. Well, no, no, marry right. I want to marry wrong. Well, go ahead and marry wrong, but I'm going to tell you to marry right. <laughs> that's all we're going to do. We're going to tell you how to live. We're going to tell you how to live right. And you know who doesn't like to live right? The unrighteous. Amen. Glory to your name. And I won't, don't want to be counted among the unrighteous. Amen. <laughs> Glory to your name. I don't want to be counted among them. So give me the right. Tell me the right. I want to live right. I want, I want to be among the right. Thank you for telling me I'm out of the way. Because that's wrong. And I don't want to stay wrong. You know what I mean by right. Right is righteous. So, to put God first, we must organize our life to put God first. This is the determined and purpose organization of our life for availability for God. I'm going to make myself available for God. See, because He's in my thoughts when I make decisions about ordering my life. So when I order my life, I'm going to be determined to make myself available for God. I'm going to make decisions on purpose as it pertains to ordering my life that I'm available for God. Look at this in Luke chapter 4. When I'm available for God, I'm going to be available for the weak. I'm going to be available for the poor. I'm going to be available for the oppressed. I'm going to be available for the hurting. I'm going to be available for the lost. That's when I'm available for God. Verse 18 of Luke chapter 4 says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. To preach the acceptable year of the Lord. See, when I'm with God and God is with me, when I make provision for God, when I make myself available for God, I'm going to be about His business. And don't you miss it. We were the poor. We were the broken hearted. We were the captives. We were the blind. Don't miss that. That's past tense. For whom the Son makes free 
is free indeed. We were the bound. But after we received of the grace of God, the wounded were whole. The lame were walking. The blind were seeing. The broken were healed. So after we have received of His grace, now we must respond to that grace to make ourselves available to God that others might know this joy that I have. So when I make myself available for the weak, the poor, the oppressed, the hurting, the hungry, I'm making myself available for the church. And remember this, we are not a charity, we're a charitable organization. It's out of the church that God is going to feed them that hungry, going to open blind eyes, going to release them that are captive. All that comes by the church. And when this happens, this is loving God above all. And this is loving your neighbor as yourself. Matthew chapter 25. 31 says, Matthew 25 and 31. When the Son of Man shall come in His glory and all the holy angels with Him, then shall He sit upon the throne of His glory. Before Him shall be gathered all nations. He shall separate them one from another as a shepherd divideth the sheep from the goats. He shall set the sheep on His right hand, but the goats on the left. Then shall the King say unto them on His right hand, Come ye blessed of My Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Because I was a hunger and you gave Me meat. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. Naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him saying, Lord, when saw we thee a hungered and fed thee a thirsty and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger and took thee in or naked and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick or in prison and came unto thee? And the king shall answer. And say unto them, Verily, I say unto you, inasmuch as you have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. Hallelujah. Glory to you. Now, I'm, I'm sorry, but this is, this, this is it. How, how do I know the church that I'm in is doing good? Well, well, is somebody made whole? Is somebody recovered? Again, here, this is why you should know you're in the right place. You should be the first witness. You should be the living testimony. I'm not where I used to be because I heard the voice of God and He touched me in this place. So other people can talk about this place all they want to, but this is what I know. His presence was here for me and I don't know what they're missing. And understand this. If I am going to put God first, I've got to organize my life to put God first. And remember, Hopefully you understand this. Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own? You're bought with a price. So we're supposed to glorify God in our body and in our spirit. Now here's the thing. We're not our own, but we have to make the choice to glorify. 
it means we have to make a conscious decision. Especially when we organize our life, that when I organize my life, I will not block the glory of God. So, if I am going to organize my life, order my life, so that I might be available for God, so that I might be available for the wounded, the hurting, the lost, the oppressed, the poor, the naked, the hungry. If I'm going to do that, this means I've got to organize my time. Amen. I got to organize my finances. I got to organize my relationships. I got to organize my life. This is going to go over hard for the benefit of the church. I know. Now, settle down. I know that gets you excited. I know that gets your heart racing. Settle down. (laughs) And I'm not talking... Again, remember, I am not talking about some cult. I'm talking about where the presence of God resides and where people are being ministered to. And you've got to get over this. Because when we say church, I don't mean a building. I mean the body of Christ. This is why God is trying to deal with you about hmm, out of order relationships with authority. Amen. Glory to you. See, because we're talking about the assurance of God's presence and we don't relate God's presence with church. We don't relate God's presence to His organization. We don't relate God's presence to His order. So what we do is we respond like Asa. When the preacher doesn't preach what I like, I don't move over, I move out. And I have an expectation that God left with me. (laughs) When God is like, no, 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 you got to be with me and then I'm with you. And so we have issues with those God has put in authority in the church and we don't think we have an issue with God. And so we like Asa say, uh, that ain't God, that's you, Hanani. And so I block you when in all honesty I'm blocking God. And then when I have an expectation of God to do a thing and he doesn't come through, then I have unmet expectations. And then I got a rocky relationship. But this means I've got to organize my time, my finances, my relationships. That means my life is going to be organized for the benefit of the church. Because it's in the church of God's placing where I will learn the good works and participate in the good works which God has before ordained that we should walk in. That's where the good works are going. Everyone wants to be, well, I can do good works on my own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But is God with you? 
Ooh, I'm sorry, but here's here's where we get this thing where, well, yeah, yeah, I can live morally, but you know what? The standard of salvation is not morality. The standard of salvation is faith in Christ and in Him alone. And when He is your Lord, you go where He tells you to go. I'm telling you, it's all over the Scripture. God told Abraham, get you out of your country, away from your kindred, away from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I'm going to pick the spot. He tells them in Deuteronomy, when they come to bring their tithes, no, no, you've got to go to the place that I tell you of. He tells us now in this day, God places us where he sees fit. So you can do everything. And he tells us, he even tells us in that day, many shall come to me and say, did we not do this and do that? And he's going to tell them, but that's not the standard of salvation. The standard of salvation is faith in Christ and him being Lord. And if he's Lord, he gets to tell me how to organize my time. He gets to tell me how to organize my finances. He gets to tell me how to organize my relationships. He gets to tell me how to organize my life. See, we will tell you what to do because God speaks through the church. And outside of that, you won't hear him. And if you won't hear him, how can you obey him? We're talking about the assurance of God's presence. We've got a lot of people not organizing their life having an expectation of God, and not, God is not meeting their expectation because he doesn't have to. <laughs> Amen. We don't live up to his, but we want him to live up to ours. And all I can say is, do this and see what God does with your life. Turn to Second Kings chapter 4. Oh, I'm preaching. You don't even know it. Second Kings chapter 4. It's, it's sad. That was a drive-by preaching. <laughs> Do you know I got preached to? Second Kings chapter four. <laughs> I love you. Second Kings chapter four, verse number eight. Oh boy, this is a powerful, powerful example. And keep your ribbon there in Second Kings chapter four, because we're gonna come back here. I think we're gonna turn away from it for a second. Verse number 8, 2 Kings chapter 4 says, And it fell on a day that Elisha, Elisha here is the man of God. Oh, what a mighty man of God he is. I'm telling you, this is a prophet. This is a prophet. Let's keep reading. And it fell on a day that Elisha passed to Shunem, where was a great woman. Now, again, I'm sorry. People, when I read the scriptures, it just stops me sometimes. and I don't plan on stopping like this, but it says this woman is a great woman. Now, we're going to read the rest of this, and you're going to say, why is she great? Well, it may not be great as the world counts it, but in God's eyes, this is a great woman. And it fell on a day that Elisha passed to Shunem, where was a great woman, and she constrained him to eat bread. <laughs> and so it was that as often as he passed by, he turned in thither to eat bread. Do you see this woman? She's like, uh, uh, stop by. Stop by. Let me feed you. She's just being nice. Just being kind to this brother. In verse number nine, and she said unto her husband, Behold now, I perceive that this is an holy man of God. Now, now I've got to stop here again. She mentions her husband, but her husband is a bit player. Amen. Glory to your name. Now, now I would love for every wife and husband combo to be players strong together. 
But sometimes you're strong alone, and that, and that you're still a great person in God's eyes. And she said unto her husband, Behold now, I perceive that this is a holy man of God, which passes by us continually. Now, now she's catching a hold of something. She, she's like, no, 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 wait, wait a minute. There's something about God in this man. God is with this man. You know what? We need to get on board. She said unto her husband, Behold, now I perceive that this is a holy man of God, which passeth by us continually. Let us make a little chamber, I pray thee. Oh my goodness, this is wonderful. Here it is now. This man was just eating bread, but now she associates the man with God. And she says, you know what? We need to make some provision for God in our life. She tells her husband, you know, you may not get it, but I get it. We're going to make provision. We're going to arrange things. We're going to organize things. We're not going to block God. We're going to let him in. Let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall. And let us set for him there a bed and a table and a stool and a candlestick. Oh my goodness, do you hear this? <laughs> Why such details? Because she is on purpose and determining to be a blessing. This is making provision. And it shall be, when he cometh to us, that he shall turn in thither. Oh, this is, I'm sorry, but this is not ministering to you like it's ministering to me. She's like, no, we're going to be, we're going to be, we're going to hit his sweet spot. We're, we're going to be lovely to him, and we're going to be irresistible to him because we're going to be so lovely to him. That's making provision for God. See, because his eyes run to and fro. Uh, you want to be good to him? He, he wants to be good to you. Verse 10 again. Let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall, and let us set for him there a bed, and a table, and a stool, and a candlestick, and it shall be when he cometh to us that he shall turn in thither. And it fell on a day that he came thither, and he turned into the chamber and lay there. Let that sink in. Now he, he comes in and he lays. He's like, wow. Almost like resort living. <laughs> he was used just to eating a piece of bread or whatever and going on his way. He said, man, they, they, they set me up. I can rest in this place. Hmm. Verse 12. And he said to get Hazai his servant, call this Shunammite. And when he had called her, she stood before him. And he said unto him, say now unto her, behold, Thou hast been careful for us with all this care. Do you hear what he said? You did this on purpose. You arranged things on purpose. You went through some inconvenience. You went through the hardware store on purpose. You bought stuff you didn't have to on purpose. But you did it carefully. He said unto him, Say now unto her, Behold, thou hast been careful for us with all this care. What is to be done for thee? What is thou be spoken for to the king? I know him. It's a personal friend of mine. Or to the captain of the host. I know him too. We're, we're in good. They'll do whatever I ask. And she answered, I dwell among mine own people. Ooh, I love that answer. Do you get what she's saying? She's saying, I don't need anything else. She's content. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to your name. She's content where she is. She's like, king, captain of the host, those big folk, I'm just common folk. And what I have is good enough for me. 
And he said, what then is to be done for her? It's like, no, no, we've got to do something. And Gehazi answered, verily she hath no child. And her husband is old. And he said, call her. And when he had called her, she stood in the door. And he said, now again, this, this gets me. Because she stands at the door. This is our house. But you see, the honor and the respect that she gives. Because she recognizes, see, in her association, this is as close as she gets to God. So she's making provision for God. And not to get something, because she's content. That's why the Bible lets us know that she answered that way. Verse 15 again, he said, call her. And when he called her, she stood in the door. And he said, about this season, according to the time of life, thou shalt embrace a son. And she said, Nay, my Lord, thou man of God, don't play with me. Do not lie unto thine handmaid. And the woman conceived and bare a son at that season that Elisha had said unto her, according to the time of life. Now, 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 now stick, stick with that right there. She made provision. And she got what she wasn't even expecting. Now, now keep your ribbon there. Turn to 2 Samuel chapter 7. Second Samuel chapter, this episode gets me every time. This is astounding. Let's start at verse number 1 of 2 Samuel chapter 7. Again, keep your ribbon over in 2 Kings chapter 4. But let's take a look at 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse number 1. And it came to pass, when the king sat in his house, and the Lord had given him rest round about from all his enemies. Do you hear that? Do you see that? It's the same thing we, we said before. When you are with God and God is with you, life is going to get better. And that's why God said over in Deuteronomy, when you are, have eaten and when you are full, because it's going to get better. You can't be touched by God and things not get better. And understand this. What is the truth of the manifestation of the presence of God? It's not on the external condition it's on the inside so when I say things get better oh oh righteousness comes with peace and then there's joy hallelujah in the Holy Ghost things are going to get better and I'm telling you it's just so nice that no matter where I am that I can have peace see when I'm not at rest and then I get to rest things have just gotten better Again, verse 1. And it came to pass, when the king sat in his house, and the Lord had given him rest, round about from all his enemies, that the king said unto Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in the house of cedar, but the ark of God dwelleth within curtains. I love that. Do you love that? I love that. He's like, I'm doing so good. But look at the condition that my God and his stuff is in. See, and he remembered. He didn't forget where his blessings came from. Oh, this is lovely. See, this is, this is the kind of church member you want to be. After being blessed so much, after being ministered to so much, then after time goes by, when you look at your life and you assess your life and say, you know what? Man, I'm a long way from where I came from. 
God, you've done something through that place. I've got to put my hands on that somehow, some way. Well, David goes about to put God up a house, right? Well, then God had a response for David. Hmm. Uh, let's, I hate to do this in the middle of a conversation, but jump down to verse 11. Now, God is in the midst of talking to David. He says, And since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel and have caused thee to rest from all thine enemies, also the Lord telleth thee that he will make thee a house. No, no, no. Did you get that? David says, look at where I'm living. Look at where God is living. Let's make provision for God. <laughs> I have determined, Nathan, I'm on purpose going to make provision for God. And God, in the midst of talking to David, says, you know what? You had a mind to provide for me. I'm going to tell you what. I'm going to provide for you. And God, what are you providing? J- jump down to verse 16. In thine house... And thy kingdom shall be established forever before thee. Thy throne shall be established forever. According to all these words and according to all this vision, so did Nathan speak unto David. So David makes provision for God and God turns it around and makes provision for David. And here's the thing about God. When God responds to your provision, God goes bigger. I'm sorry. <laughs> you can't outbid God. He goes gooder. You can't outgood God. Hallelujah. See, you can't outgive God. See, see, I don't want you to think that when we say you're going to organize your life like you're losing out on something. No, you're making provision for God. That's what you want to do. That's what he was telling Asa. You didn't make provision for me, and you got the short end of the stick, Asa. But David says, I'm going to make provision for you. And he finds out God goes bigger. <laughs> you cannot give God. You cannot do good of God. You can't go bigger than God. That's just how he does it. And his eyes run to and fro throughout the whole earth. Just waiting for that opportunity to go bigger. <laughs> to go gooder. To just give. Now turn back to 2 Kings, chapter 4. But the thing is, you can't do it with the intent of getting as much in return. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. You see, David wasn't expecting that. And you know, the Shunammite woman was not expecting a son. Because when she had the opportunity to ask for something, she said, I don't need anything. <laughs> I'm just making provision for you because my heart is right. We got too many people in the church with the expectation of God. Give, and it shall be given again unto me. Press down, shaking together, and running over. But where's your heart? See, the covetous heart, God does not provide for. When I give to get as much in return, that's the covetous heart. Woo, we got churches ministering on Sundays. About getting as much in return, if not more. They have an expectation of God, but they don't have the assurance of His presence. Give me His presence every time. Second Kings chapter 4. You back there? So now this woman has actually conceived a son 
which really was her heart's desire, but she was all right. I'm telling you, this ministers, we could spend a month of Sundays on this thing. Her heart was content if she never had a son. She wasn't complaining. She wasn't crying. She wasn't saying, what's wrong with me? Hmm. So she has the son. Now, verse 18. And when the child was grown, so some time has passed. It fell on a day that he went out to his father, to the reapers. And he said unto his father, my head, my head. And he said to a lad, carry him to his mother. See, he's a bit player. <laughs> See, the husband's a bit player. He's like, carry him to his mother. So, so let's get to this great woman. Verse 20. And when he had taken the young lad and brought him to his mother, the young lad sat on her knees till noon and then died. And she went up, laid him on the bed of the man of God, and shut the door upon him, and went out. Wow. I'm sorry, this, this is a powerful, this is a great woman. She's not ranting or raving. She's not bawling her eyes out. She knows exactly what to do. Verse 22, and she called unto her husband and said, Send me, I pray thee, one of the young men. One of the asses that I may run to the man of God and come again. <laughs> she said, I'll be back, but I'm going on a mission. Verse 23. And he said, Wherefore wilt thou go to him today? It is neither new moon nor Sabbath. And she said, Well. You know that word well is? Peace. Again, I love it. See, he's a bit, he doesn't even know what's going on. He just thought the lad had a little headache. Oh, send this headache boy up there. Oh, boy, you so... Mama knows there's been a big change in this happened. And, and she understands that, my husband, you're a big player here. And what you have to offer is not going to be of any help. So I'm just going to go about and do what I need to do. <laughs> this is lovely. And he's like, hey, the, Elisha didn't come today. Why, why are you going to bother him peace. It's all well. It's all good. Verse 24. Then she saddled an ass and said to her servant, drive and go forward. Slack not thy riding for me, except I bid thee. So she went and came unto the man of God to Mount Carmel. And it came to pass when the man of God saw her afar off that he said to Gehazi his servant, Behold, yonder is that Shunammite. Sorry, I got to stop right there. I wonder how many people had passed by. I wonder how many people had come near. But he knew her from far off. That's that Shunammite. Oh, keep, keep, keep with me. This is exciting to me. Run now, I pray thee, to meet her and say unto her, Is it well with thee? Is it well with thy husband? Is it well with thy child? With the child? And she answered. Who did she answer? She answered the servants. Oh, I'm at peace. It's peace. Everything's all right. And when she came to the man of God, so she said, Servant, as far as you're concerned, just like my husband, peace. And so now let me get by, by the servant. See, I got past my husband. Now I'm going to get past the servant. Now let's get down to business. Verse 27, when she came to the man of God, to the hill, she caught him by the feet. But Gehazi came near to thrust her away. I thought you said peace. And the man of God said, let her alone. 
For her soul is vexed within her, and the Lord hath hid it from me, and hath not told me. Oh my goodness, I'm telling you. Let's keep going, because this is, this is something else. I'm telling you, Elisha is a prophet. The double portion prophet. Then she said, did I desire a son of my Lord? Did I ask for a son? Did I not say, do not deceive me? Then he said to Gehazi, gird up thy loins, take my staff in thy hand, and go thy way. If thou meet any man, salute him not. And if any salute thee, answer him not again, and lay my staff upon the face of the child. And the mother of the child said, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave you, Elisha. And Elisha rose and followed her. I'm, I'm telling, but this, again, this, this just gives me, this lady knows something. This is a great woman. See, because how is it that you're telling anybody peace when the son you didn't ask for, that you so desired, when you finally got him, now after time has passed, now he's up on the prophet's bed, dead. And you told peace to the husband. You told peace to Gehazi, but you told Elisha, now you playing with me, and that's not right. <laughs> Let's keep going. I've got to read the rest of this so you can follow me on this. Verse 31, And Gehazi passed on before them and laid the staff upon the face of the child. But there was neither voice nor hearing. Wherefore he went again to meet him and told him, saying, The child is not awake. Mm, this is a tough one. And when Elisha was coming to the house, behold, the child was dead. And I'm sorry, I've got to go back. Remember the husband said, why are you going to bother the, the prophet today? This is not the time he normally comes. He's taking a special trip. He's rearranged his schedule for the woman who organized her life for him. And when Elisha was coming into the house, behold, the child was dead and laid upon his bed. He went in, therefore, shut the door upon them twain, and prayed unto the Lord. And he went up and lay upon the child and put his mouth upon his mouth, his eyes upon his eyes, and his hands upon his hands. And he stretched himself upon the child, and the flesh of the child waxed warm. Then he returned <laughs> and walked in the house to and fro and went up and stretched himself upon him. And the child sneezed seven times. And the child opened his eyes. And he called Gehazi and said, Call this Shunammite. So he called her, and when she was coming unto him, he said, Take up thy son. Then she went in and fell at his feet and bowed herself to the ground and took up her son and went out. Now, now I, want, I want to tell you this. This is, this is just marvelous. I'm telling you, Elisha is a prophet. First, let's deal with this. Why did the son not awaken the first time Elisha went up? Because, can I, I'll just give it to you this way. We will not have the fullness of life until Christ comes the second time. I'm, so, I'm sorry. <laughs> so, Elisha here represents Christ. He represents the Master. And, and it gets me. Now, again, I'm telling you, this is a prophet of prophets. Because he said to Gehazi, leave her alone because something has happened and God has hid it from me. When Elisha knows everything. But, 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 but get this, understand. 
They asked Jesus, when shall you come the second time? And he said, of that day and of that hour knoweth no man, not the angels, not even the Son, but the Father. See, he represents Christ. What a powerful thing this is. And in all honesty, he could have used anybody. Oh, 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 oh no, no, let, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me step back a little bit. Now, now she made provision. God went big. Gave her a son. Now, get this. She bypassed Gehazi. Now, if Christ is represented by Elisha, who does Gehazi represent? He represents our preachers. <laughs> I'm sorry. Represents our pastors. So why does she not lay it out before the pastor? Because there are some things the pastor just can't do. Hallelujah. And, and it doesn't matter if, because I'm sure Gehazi said, I know her. She's like, yeah, but you know, knowing you is not the big deal. Knowing the master. That's the big deal. See, because there's some things, yeah, you can pray for me, but you know, somebody plants. Somebody waters. But it's God who gives the increase. You know, I'm... I, I won't say I'm a baseball fan, but I grew up with baseball. And, you know, baseball is a game of numbers. And, and so that's why they play a truckload of games. Man, they play so many games. That's why they uh, have so many innings, because it's a game of numbers. And after a while, you figure out who can you count on to knock in runs. And so when you set up your lineup, you set up your lineup in a specific order based off of analytics. And in all honesty... If you want to make, the object of the game is to get more runs than your opponent. And if you want to get runs, you have to order and organize your lineup so that you maximize that lineup. And what you do is, the person you can count on to, count, to knock in runs, you don't put them first in order. Because who comes first normally, they can, they can get on first base. Who comes second? Yeah, you know, they'll do all right. They might get on second. Who comes up third? They might load the bases. But in my number four spot, I got the one who knocks in the runs. See, Gehazi, you might be a first in the order. You might be a second in the order. You might be a third in the order. But I know Elisha is number four in the order. I know he brings it home. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to your name. This is, out. this is exciting to me. It really is. Because sometimes we're worried because the pastor can't make it to my sickbed. You better be with God. And have God with you. Because when God knows you, He sees you coming from afar off. So that's why Elisha said to Gehazi, It's that Shunammite woman. Oh, I know her anywhere. See, because she made provision for me. And see, when you make provision for God, God is with you. And when the time of trouble comes, remember, it is not the outside things that make the difference. We are all subject to pains to troubles, to sicknesses, to hurts. They will come to us all. But there is a difference between those who are with God and those who are not. Because when I'm with God and He's with me and I have that assurance, I know who I can go to. I may not be able to reach the pastor, but I can always reach my God. And when I make provision for God, He goes bigger. And so, no doubt, if Gehazi can't do it, her husband sure can't do it. So why even bother? I'm taking this right to the top. 
and, and get this. You know, I'm out of time. But get this. This is a to me. This is this is a powerful, powerful witness, prophecy of the Lord Jesus Christ. That not anybody could come. But God says, you know what? I'm going to prophesy, and I, in my goodness, I'm going to do it to somebody who provided for me. Oh my goodness! I'm out of time. But but you got to understand this. When you provide for God, that is not a get out of jail free. And in your time when you provide for God, sometimes it seems like it's going south for you while it's going north for everybody else. But you hold on. (laughs) You hold on. You see, because God couldn't work through everybody to bring this to pass. See, because not everybody would have the mindset to go straight to the prophet. Nobody, not, not everybody would have the mindset to have peace. In the midst of their trouble. But with somebody who has the assurance that I have a friend. I have a walking partner. I have somebody who can do something about it who's my personal friend. So in the midst of your trouble, stand still. God will show you the salvation of the Lord. And you will be a witness by which, because you stood and were a friend of his, he can testify of Christ to others. To me, there's nothing greater. There's nothing better. Don't get bent out of shape. Yeah, there will be storms. But remember, we started this, and he was on the boat, asleep. Because the storms can't take this peace. I'm out of time. Now all we need to do is put it into action. Now we need to organize our life. Step back and watch God. Amen. We are a people of purpose. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.